You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with The Bible is Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with The Bible as Literature podcast. This week, Father Paul notes the distinction between sin and guilt in the original text of Leviticus, lamenting the unwillingness of English translators to let the people hear the text. I am delighted to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. It's very hard to have a flock of goats. I mean, you can, but they give you more trouble than the sheep. And this imagery is taken up in Matthew 25, that the goat just runs away, does not stay with the shepherd. Anyway, but originally we have the lamb in verse 7, and you have the goat, which in Hebrew is Aiz. Those who know Arabic know that goat in Arabic comes from the same root. We add the mem at the beginning. Maza. But it's the same root. And again, everything is offered with the fat. Remember, the blood has to be poured out and the fat has to be burned, which are reflective of the living animal. And that you may not have control over. Everything goes up to the only one who has the upper hand when it comes to life. Okay? So what I did is try to explain to you the function of the fat. And you have it until now with the lard. It's fat. It comes from the animal. Fat does not come from a cereal. And we are not in the 20th century, well, there is a fat in the food. That's not the idea. The fat when it comes to the animal, is the lard. It's not as fat as differentiated from carb and protein and all these things. Forget about this stuff when you're hearing scripture. You have to go to the basic, what I call nature. Then in chapter 4, we have what in English is rendered the sin sacrifice and thus a sacrifice for the sin. Let me begin with verse 2 because we have something interesting that shows you how the Hebrew nefesh that is translated as soul and understood platonically as something that exists in itself, is not so in Hebrew. I'm going to read you the English and then point out the original Hebrew. 
Say to the people of Israel in verse 2, If anyone sins unwittingly in any of the things. Notice how the translator captures the function of Nefesh here. He did not say, if any soul. Although in modern English we can do that, you could say, how many souls are there in my class? Which means bodies and so on. And you know how languages work. But remember, never theologize on the basis of Greek, let alone the barbarian English. Remember, for the Greco-Romans, the Anglo-Saxons and the Germans were barbarians. Let me repeat that. They were barbarians. Actually, on Netflix, there is a very interesting TV show that I watched. It's German. Germans in the time of the Roman Empire. But the name of the series is the Barbarians. And these are Germans who produce the series. Words have meanings. Okay, to go back to our text, if anyone in Hebrew is a nefesh, a given someone, understand always nefesh as a breathing one, and thus one who is living and not dead yet. Sins unwittingly in any of the things which the Lord has commanded not to be done, and does any one of them, if it is the anointed priests who sins, now you have a differentiation between the clergy and the laity, but I would like, since I have this word in Hebrew, Notice, anointed, if the anointed priest, which means all the priests are anointed, but the author underscored this to differentiate between someone who is, as we say in our terminology, ordained priest. And the anointed is none other than the Hebrew Mashiach. And you heard that sound which settles later in the New Testament. Now, let me go ahead with this word because it's important for us. Mashiach is from the verb mashah, which we still have in Arabic, masaha. And the Greek is hryo, which is usually with oil, because that's the idea. And then from it we have Christos. Notice that Christos is from that verb Krio, the way Mashiach is from that verb Mashah. So it's not a theological term as we use, like, Jesus is the Christ. Big deal. There are a lot of Christs. And even Jesus says that are pseudo-Christs to underscore his uniqueness. 
So his uniqueness does not lie in the fact that he is Mashiach, but in the way he was anointed specifically by God. But where do you know this from? It's from the biblical text. So unless you submit to the biblical text, you're not going to comprehend what the text is saying. In other words, offer as holocausts all the books of theology, the way God did with the temple and the palace and their libraries. Trust me on this one. Just stick with the original text. And if you can't, go to someone who knows the meaning of the original Hebrew. And then, if it is the anointed one, again, the anointed priest who sins, and sins is from that verb, you've heard it already, but let's take our time on terminology, from the verb hata, het, tet, and alif. We still have it in Arabic, khata'a. And from it we have the khati'at, the Hebrew of the Arabic khati'at, which is sin, is hatat. There you go. In the Hebrew pronunciation, uh, the Aleph can become quiescent. That's why you don't hear it, and that's why I keep stressing that we need to see with our own eyes the original consonants and not hear the Masoretic reading. Remember, the Masoretic reading came about between the 7th and 10th century. It's too late. It's non-functional and non-referential with all due respect to the Jews and the Christians professors at universities. It is not referential. But that is the word sin. Thus bringing guilt on the people. And here we have, like people generally in theology, do not differentiate between guilt, sin, and so on. No, you have two words. And the word here is Ashmat, which is the feminine of Asham, and we still have it in Arabic, Ithm. The sheen can be rendered into Ith in different Semitic languages. You could hear it, Ithm, Ithm, and the Hebrew is Ishm. And thus bringing guilt, in other words, you are responsible. It's like the word Awon in Hebrew, which is very interesting. It means mistake and the feeling of guilt that comes from this mistake. That's why I propose to translate it all the time in English, the onus. Like the word onus is very interesting. Is the weight, it weighs heavily on you. It means the action, but also it means the result. This is split in the two terms, hatat, or the verb hata, to sin, and the asham. Now, what is interesting is that later, 
we're going to have another offering for the guilt offering. So you have a split of level between sin and guilt. But this verse makes you realize the interconnection. In other words, you have committed a trespass and you are responsible for it. Let him offer for the sin which he has committed. Notice the English has sin and committed. But in the original Hebrew, and I don't know why the English does not use it, because you, you use it nowadays in English. The sin he has sinned. Why not? Why do we need to be fancy when we translate? Just reflect the original and let the people hear it. Okay? The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.